Howdy, folks. This is the Word of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. This is our special episode where we have a guest with us for this month. With me today is a brother from the congregation here in El Paso. His name is Brandon Sledge. And, and what we're going to talk about is how people think that being a sinner is just kind of the norm, that sin is something that you can't help, that you do it, that you have some kind of a sinful nature and and people just automatically assume they're going to sin and that they're all sinners and we're going to talk about various different directions from which we're going to approach this subject and I'm just going to start off by handing it off you know Brandon has had conversations with people one of the reasons we selected this subject is some people that are near and dear to him he's had studies with and this tended to be one of the sticking points like hey you know what you can't help but sin, and, and it's almost like, you're crazy. What do you mean I'm not going to sin? Like like it's some kind of disease, like it's in the air, you catch it. So, Brandon, what's your thoughts, man? Go ahead and take over. So, yeah, right off the bat, you know, thanks for letting me be here. I'm glad to be here. But um, in my experience, what I've thought and what I've seen uh, in having discussions with people about this subject is a couple things that I've noticed is uh, one is that people have an incorrect definition of sin. So if that your definition of sin is incorrect, you know, the, the conclusions that you're going to come to are going to be incorrect as well. Uh, also, that people people uh, suggest or they think that we have a sinful nature. Um, that's another disclaimer or a miss miss something that people don't think that that we understand for sure. Um, and another one is that people just want to do it, continue to do what they're doing. Uh, so those are the kind of things that I've noticed in my experience. And I just want to kind of start off with some context that kind of the definition of sin and what it is and how we're going to go into this this uh, podcast. I want to start in first John chapter one. I'm sorry, first John chapter three. What is the definition of sin? That's where we're going to start. So first John three, four, it says, whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law for sin is the transgression of the law. So if people have a misunderstanding of what sin is, of course, you're going to have that conclusion that's not going to be correct as well. So that's kind of where I wanted to start. Um, just basically of what sin is and how people have a misunderstanding of it. So just to kind of jump in a little bit on that point, um, when we talk about sin being transgression of the law, we're talking about the law of Christ. Correct. You, you know, because in the Bible, there's various laws. Um, a lot of people don't understand that. Some people just look at the Bible and say there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some people think it's all one law, various different things. Well, you know, when you're looking at the Bible, just a quick general thought to keep in mind is before Exodus chapter 20, people were law unto themselves. You read about that in Romans 2, 11 through 15. Then Exodus 20, following the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, etc., are taken into place that continue to be for the children of Israel, their law, while the Gentiles continued to have the law guided by the conscience. Again, Romans 2, 11 through 15. Then you come into the New Testament, the law and the prophets were until John, Luke 16, 16. So there's like a transition. And you can see it when you're studying the Bible. You can see that, you know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 talked about things that were practiced or taught under the law of Moses, but had changed, you know, with the repetitive statement, but I say unto you. Right. And then uh, when we look at the Jesus on the cross, he died. Hebrews chapters 8, 9, and 10 show us that he put away that old law. The law was nailed to the cross, Colossians 2, 14. So when we're talking about sin today, 
we're talking about transgressing the law of Christ. And I know, I know people read the book of Romans, right? And they say, mm. well, wait, we're not under law. We're under grace. No, you, you got that wrong. You're not, the book of Romans is talking about the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. We're under the law of Christ. In fact, it is called that in Galatians 6, 2, bear you none, one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, so we're under law. You transgress the law of Christ, anybody, then you are a sinner, right? Right. right. So that kind of brings us to that, that definition of what it is. And so understanding that sin is an action and sin is not just a thought. To kind of build on that, I want to look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, I want to look at Adam and Eve and when sin occurred. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he had said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, Why may we may eat of the tree of fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not die, for God doth not know for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will shall be open, and ye shall also be gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant for the eyes, and the tree is desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So this is just basically going to show the progression of sin, of how it works. And if we want to turn over to James chapter 1, verse 13, James chapter 1, verse 13 is is the progression of sin. And this is the reason why I brought up this context in, in Genesis. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 13 through 16 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. So this is going to talk about the progression of sin, and that's one context that I definitely want to bring up because we see that when uh, Eve saw that the fruit was good, and she saw that it was pleasant to her eyes, that was not sin. It wasn't sin until she transgressed the law that God had given her, her and Adam. Yes, yeah, so when we think about James 1, 13 through 16, really, this that could be the whole podcast. Yep, you know, sure could. Because it really does cover the subject very well, uh, where you, know, you have temptation, but temptation is not in itself sin, right? Uh, being tested, being enticed in itself isn't sin. In fact, Satan tempted Jesus, right? Right? Yes, sure did. Three times, Matthew yeah. 4, 1 through 11, and Luke 4, etc. Mm-hmm. So if being tempted in itself were sinful, right. Jesus himself would be a sinner. And that is one area of scripture that I think most people I've ever talked to <laughs> along this subject matter tend to agree upon that Jesus was not a sinner. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 and 22, For here and unto were you called, Christ suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow the steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So of a certain, people will agree uh, with that. Uh, Jesus wasn't a sinner. Okay, so then temptation itself is not a sin. And and that shows us you can stop it. Right. 
That's exactly right. I mean, even in Ephesians chapter four, um, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So that's telling us that we can have these emotions. We can get angry. However, we can actually stop it just as we discussed just before. It's something that you control. You control that. It's not a sinful nature. It's not something that's just going to happen. You have the ability to stop it. You have the ability to do it or not. That's going to be kind of basically leading us to our next point. Do we have a sinful nature? And that question is definitely a reference in Romans chapter 5. A lot of people take Romans chapter 5 to, to mean this when they read verses 12 through 21. I know we discussed Romans earlier and how people just run with this context. But context is everything, of course. We have to understand who the whole the audience was written, who it was written to. Uh, Paul was written to the congregation here at Rome, the Jews and Gentiles here. Um, verse 12 through 21, people take this and kind of run with it. But we see in verse, um, the contrast here is what we see. Uh, verse 12 through 21 is what Adam brought into the world, which is physical death because of sin. Not just the sin, but physical death because of the sin. Uh, and it contrasts with Jesus brought, which is grace and to eternal life by his death. And then if we check over at verse uh, chapter 6, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So just because this grace is available to you doesn't mean you have to abuse it. So you have to stop from sin. That's going to be a further uh, point that we're going to be talking about a little later. But that's just the contrast of what we're talking about in this context that a lot of people do not have an understanding of and have a, that thought process that we all have a sinful nature, which is definitely not true. So picking up with kind of where you left off right there, thinking about the idea of a sinful nature, uh, Adam and Eve sin, and right. what a lot of people will say is, like you, like you pointed out, they'll take Romans chapter 5 and they'll, they'll think, well, you know what, sin is what was passed on. But when we actually look at the scriptures and we weigh what was actually occurring, um, if that were true, well, Cain and Abel, right? the direct children of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. right? Well, what separated Cain and Abel? In 1 John chapter 3, uh, which gives us a, you know, just a real good, clear-cut uh, description, uh, verses 11 and 12, for this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Abel was a righteous man. He didn't sin. Hebrews 11 and verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. No way. Man does not have a sinful nature. Abel proves that. Enoch proves that. A descendant of Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 5, 21 through 23. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years, begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. In Hebrews 11 and verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Even when you come in the New Testament, the parents of John the Baptist, 
Luke chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the Corsabia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. <laughs> right. No argument to be made there. None. I mean, when you, when you really, really think about all these scriptures and you think about just the, the concept of sinful nature, you got to ask your question, has God given us impossible instructions to, that we can live by that are impossible to follow? We got to ask ourselves that question because we have all these scriptures that debunk that thought process, or that meaning, what you think about that. Matthew 5, 48, be therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. We have other concepts of this, this, this uh, idea and this instructions. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standing sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let him, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So we have these instructions. We have, we, you mentioned 1 John 3, 1 through 10 earlier. Colossians 1, 28 is another. Colossians verse 1, verse 28. It says, Whom we preach, warning every man to teach every man in all wisdom that we, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So we have to understand that God has not given us impossible instructions to follow. They're possible. However, we have to make the decision not to sin. That brings us kind of to another point that I want to talk about is free will. So when you talk to people, they think they may honor or they may say that, yeah, we have free will. I think we have free will. But then their conversation contradicts exactly what they're saying. Because they're in, if you look at Genesis chapter 39, Genesis chapter 39, there's the concept of free will. I want to look at Potiphar's wife and Joseph, the concept of what free will is. It says, and it came to pass after these things that his master cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his wife, said unto his master's wife, behold, my master was not and what, why, and what is with me in the house, and he that committeth all that he hath in my hand. There is none greater in the house than I, neither hath he kept back from anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How, how then can I do great wickedness against, and a sin against God? And it came to pass, as she came, as she spake to Joseph day by day, and hearkened unto her, and he hearkened not unto her to lie with her, or to be with her. And it came to pass, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do business and there and there I lost my spot and there was none with him out of the house within and she called him by his garment saying lie with me and let and he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out so this concept of sinful nature free will so if we had a sinful nature this there would be no way that Joseph could have gotten out of this situation but his, he you exercised his free will in wanting to get out of there and knowing that the consequences of what was going to happen if he went on with that uh, act of adultery uh, with Potiphar's wife. So this concept of free will is what we're talking about. So we all, we all have free will. So we have the control over what we're going to do on a day to day basis. And we have to exercise that again on a day to day basis based on what we know it's to be right from the scriptures. Yeah, when it comes to free will. 
choose you this day whom you'll serve. Joshua yeah. 24 yeah. and verse 15, right? Choose. You, you have yeah. the choice. I want to back up a little bit to something you said, because I can almost hear the detractors out there. Yeah. Uh, they hear Matthew 5, 48, be therefore right. perfect. And they, oh, that's the Greek word teleos. And, right. and it means complete or whole, uh, you know, being of full age. Yeah, we're aware of that, aren't we? Right. We, we know the meaning of, of, of the word. Uh, but when you have sin, you are not complete You're and not you are whole. not whole in Christ, right? Broken um, relationship. It, it, because it's funny, the way this generally comes about is someone will look at you and say, nobody's perfect. Right, exactly. And then you'll say, but Jesus commands us to be. And they'll say, but that that's not what the word perfect means. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. Different definition. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it's like, wait a minute. You just said mm -hmm. what you said. I showed you a scripture that says otherwise. With this and a lot of subjects... I kind of feel like like God told Ezekiel uh, in Ezekiel ch chapter 12 and verse 2. He says, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not, ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. So it's like they're mm -hmm. just convinced. Right. I'm a sinner, and because I'm a sinner, it must be something that can't be helped. Right. And no matter how many scriptures we can accumulate um, they don't have ears to hear. Mm. You know, Jesus talked about a willing willingness to listen, ears to hear in Matthew 11 and verse 15 and among other verses, Matthew 13, 9 and Matthew 13, 43 and, right. and on and on you could go. And, and you give people scriptures and you show them clear commands, awake to righteousness and sin yeah. not. What, when I'm, what I'm quoting is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. Sorry, got a little bit ahead there. Mm -hmm. It says, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And you say, hey, the instruction there is what? Sin, sin. not. And and it's like immediately the rebuttal is, but we can't help it. Right. That kind of goes back to the what, what you've heard for so long. If you've grown up and saying, no one's perfect. Everyone sins. We all sin. Romans 3.23, the, the, the perfect verse. If you've heard this for all your life, if you heard this continuously, and you now you hear something different about us being able to stop sin and us being not not to sin, then there has to be something to it. It can't be correct. It can't be right. I think of, when I think about this, I think about a marriage. I think about a marriage. How if if a, if a spouse, two spouses are together and they're in a scriptural uh, marriage, how you expect your spouse to be faithful to you, you and only you. You wouldn't you wouldn't allow your spouse to go cheat on you and then when they come back and say, you know, I just cheated on you today. Well, no one's perfect. You know, that wouldn't be a, a desired answer. That wouldn't be logical answer for anybody, regardless of how liberal you may be. There's nothing saying that you no one's perfect as an excuse for someone cheating on you. You wouldn't just accept that, especially if it happens every day. I, we sin every day. We sin every day. So do we commit adultery every day? Is that going to be okay? I mean, logically, is that okay? You have to ask yourself those questions. You have to be, have to be able to reason and think about this doctrine and the logic of the doctrine and the logic behind the doctrine. It just doesn't make much sense. We have to, we have to get into Romans 3.23. We have to. Yeah. We, we have to. We have to talk about the context. We have to talk about this verse. Right. But, but, and, but right before we get into this verse, just with the illustration that you just get gave, a man comes home to his wife and she says, what's that lipstick on you? <laughs> right? And nobody's perfect. Yeah, no one. Yeah. <laughs> right? Nope. I, Next week. Same thing. 
same thing. Why is your shirt torn? What what's this sucker bite? Right. You know, as as it was called in in our day. Yeah. You know, uh, what's that? What's that? Sucker bite. <laughs> what's that from? Right. Uh, nobody's perfect. No one's you, perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just caught me in a weak moment. I mean, yeah. with all sin, all sin. No uh, one's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Mm-mm. Um. So current modern day, uh, social button issue, right? Cop shoots an innocent person. Okay. Mm-hmm. We won't even get into color. Right. Won't get into the racial uh, discussion, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, cop shoots male or female, white, black, Chinese, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, doesn't matter. Who says nobody's perfect? Right. Has anyone's ever said that? <laughs> no. Right? No one. It's like hang that guy or that woman, <laughs> right? Right. Right off bat, not even explanation, no details, just right off bat. Right. Everybody took a video of it. Here's this cop shooting this innocent person. Mm-hmm. Right. Hang him. That's it. That's it. It's over. No one says nobody's perfect. No room for error. Just then. Then if the cop goes through all the procedures and everything else, and they find that it was an accident. Right. And he's back on the street. What happens a week later? He shoots some other innocent person. <laughs> well, we said no one's perfect. I mean, <laughs> but nobody's going to do that. What about a child molester? That's right. my favorite go-to. I know. Yep. That's my favorite go-to <laughs> because I have yet. I've had this discussion thousands upon thousands of times. Right. And I've yet to meet the person that when I bring up a child molester, you know, so you got a child molester in the congregation. He comes forward and he says, "You know what? I molested a six-year-old uh, last week." Preacher doesn't get up and say, well, nobody's perfect. Never. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't happen, for sure. And what if he dropped that Britney Spears song? Oops, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> you see what you did there. You see what you did there. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, right. I, I, I don't get the disconnect. Right. right. <laughs> again, I've heard this. It has to be true. There's just no one's perfect. You know, I've heard it regardless of what what it is from infidelity to, oh, I accidentally took this from the store or, you know, whatever the sin may be, no one's perfect. You know, I'm still working. Uh, this is ignorant language, but God's still working on me. That, yeah, that's <laughs> ignorant language. Very ignorant language. But the hear principle of, yeah, you hear that quite often, but you have to understand that you have free will. God's not sitting up in heaven on puppet strings saying, okay, I'm going to make you do this. I'm not going to make you do that. You have the choice of what you're going to do. You have the choice. When people understand that, that's when you can have a better understanding of your role in your salvation and your role in not sinning. Free will. That's a huge, huge topic. Huge information that we have to get is free will. Okay, so we got to talk about Romans 3 in context because this is one of... (laughs) the biggest arguments and and verse 23 is one of them but but also other things said in the context and mm-hmm. we're we're going to talk about it um so Romans 3:23 in the King James version says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God i i just want to go through various bible versions here uh Romans 3:23 in the American Standard version for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in the English Standard Version. For all 
have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Hmm. Uh, and the New International Version, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the New King James Version, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when I'm quoting this out of the KJV, mm -hmm. every version I just read, we keep going, says primarily the same thing. Right. All have. Have. All have. Even if I don't look at the context, mm -hmm. isn't that talking about the past? Past tense, yeah. Right? Now, let's just use reason. Mm. Already we talked about Abel, Enoch, Zachariah, and Elizabeth, who didn't sin. Did not. But all means all. Right. What about Jesus? Romans 3.23 doesn't say all but Jesus. Except Jesus, yep. Mm. Right? Doesn't say that. All means all, right? All. All. I mean, hey, hey, Brian, can't you read? All means all. I've, I've had that right. exact quote to me. Can't you read? All means all. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, here you get into various false doctrines, Catholicism right. and other that thinks sin's passed on. We've already right. answered that. Right, right. Sin's not passed on. The Father doesn't bear the iniquity of the Son. The Son doesn't bear the iniquity of the Father. Ezekiel 18, 20. Sin is something you do. It's an action. It's not mental right. uh, per se. It's something that you, you accomplish. But in context, the all. Mm -hmm. uh, in Romans chapter 3, context is important. Very. <laughs> uh, in verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? The we is the Jews, which Paul was. Right. The they are the Gentiles. Notice. No and no wise, for we have proved before proved both Jew and and Gentiles that all are under sin. That doesn't mean that every Jew and every Gentile sinned. Again, even if you disagree with anything else we've said, right. the one thing everybody agrees with is that Jesus didn't sin. He did not sin. Right? Yeah. Right. I have yet to find the discussion. I, I will say I've had this discussion over 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. And I've yet to find the time where someone said, no, well, Jesus was a sinner. Right. Right? No. So if, if all are sinners, you can't, white out all and then add in some spaces right. and insert except for Jesus. Except, yep. And here, both Jews and Gentiles. And, and the text goes on, and this is where this chapter gets used very often. Mm -hmm. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that include Jesus? If that's what the text says, then that's what it means, right? I mean... <laughs> Right? Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20, There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. People will refer to that. Paul is quoting from the Old Testament here mm -hmm. in this uh, letter. Um, oh, you're good. Sorry for the All little right. bump there. Uh, and there are times in history where it was very difficult to find just people. Right? Noah and the flood, Genesis 6.69. But, but Noah... Mm -hmm was different. Genesis 6, 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect mm -hmm. in his generations. And Noah walked with God. At that time, Romans 3.23 doesn't apply to Noah. No. Right? At the time uh, that, that it's talking about where God decided to destroy uh, the earth by a flood. Sin is a choice like we've already 
uh, talked about under both covenants, mm -hmm. whether you're looking at the Old or the New Testament. So you have to understand what Paul is writing here to be in general. Jews and Gentiles are in general mm -hmm. people who are under sin. Right. That, hey, you Jews, sin doesn't just belong to the Gentiles. Right. And hey, you Gentiles, Vice sin doesn't right. just belong to the Jews. Because that is the major point mm -hmm. from Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 11, right? right. Kind of the, the, the emphasis is that the gospel was needed to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16, right? Like, right. hey... Stop! Stop separating yourselves like you're somebody better uh, than others. And ver chapter three and verse eleven, there is none that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. I mean, is that true? Are th are there none that under Jesus didn't understand? Apparently not. If that if we're just gonna go by the face value of this verse, apparently not. He's included in none, but that's just not the truth. That's not in Second Chronicles chapter fifteen. Uh, verses three and four. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without the teaching priest and without law. But when they and their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and mm. sought him, mm -hmm. he was found of them. And chapter 15 and verse 15, same chapter, verse 15, second Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath for they had sworn with their heart and sought him with their whole desire. He was found of them and the Lord gave them rest about. Mm -hmm. Psalm 34, 4, the psalmist here says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Mm. <laughs> it, it's not true. In the book of Romans, right? in Romans chapter 10, verses 20 and 21, so if people were just to read the whole letter, right, they would see Paul was using hyperbole, exactly. just like Solomon was using hyperbole. Because in Romans 10, 20 and 21, Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest in them that asked not after me, but to Israel, he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And Paul is quoting from Isaiah 65, 1 and 2, that says, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. Said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all day unto rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own uh, lust, or after their own thoughts, rather. So, yes. There were those that sought him, those right. that were found of him, those that did understand, those that did not sin. So you have to read Romans 3 and you have to say verses 9 through 23, there's some hyperbole there. Right. Like, like I hate tuna. So if I just said, nobody likes tuna. Right. And, and then you look back at me and you're like, bro, I, I, I do. <laughs> right. And in my own household, I know right. that Katrina does. Right. Mm -hmm. But right. Taylor and I, we can't believe it. Right. Just the smell of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes tuna. Wait, how, how in the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have any thoughts you want to unpack there? Yeah, man. So that kind of goes back to context. To whom something was written, context we were talking about. We touched on exaggerated statements. What, what I've come and understand when I have discussions with people is many people don't realize or understand who this context was written to and what it was written for at this time. So you come to these conclusions because again, we've heard something for years on end, my, my mom, my, my grandmother, my grandfather, all these things you know, has been passed down that no one, every, everyone sins, no one's perfect. And so you hear this so much 
and you just take it at that face value. You really don't do your investigation to figure out what that actually means or can that be true? You just accept it as true. A lot of people accept it as true, but don't have a concept of what the context is talking about and how we get to does all mean all. Does all mean all? Of course, we talked about Jesus, but what about a newborn baby? What about a baby? Do they know sin? To him that knoweth to do good and to him to do it not, is, it is sin, James 4, 17. So in order for you to do and commit an action, like we talked about First John 3, verse 4, sin is an action. You have to know right from wrong. You have to commit something. And so with that being said, a baby can't be a sinner. So how is that being a sinful nature? You have to sin is something learn. You do something with sin. How about someone that's mentally incapable of knowing right from wrong? How is that possible? A person that's literally can't know. A 20-year-old that has the mind of a two-year-old. How is that possible for them to have a sinful nature and for them to be a sinner? It's not possible. You have to use reason. Does all actually mean all? We just went over all these verses that said about all, and it's an exaggerated statement, but just from reason, does a baby sin? Like, how can a baby sin? You have to use reason. You just can't just go off of what has been taught widely. You have to use reason and think for yourself. Use logic. Use reason. You reason through the scriptures. Yeah, when, when, it's like, look at this baby. This baby is a sinner, really. Right. So when we look at texts that talk about sin, like 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, for example, mm -hmm. because there was sin in the congregation in Corinth, know you not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. What baby fits that? <laughs> what baby fits that? What baby is fearful and unbelieving? You know, the Revelation 21 and verse 8 mm -hmm. list of things, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Right. You know, um, I've raised three children. Uh, I've recognized in two of them when sin entered into their lives where they knew right from wrong and they chose right. knowing the difference between right and wrong uh, to do wrong. Uh, I don't even know why this has to be a Bible discussion. <laughs> it's like It's like... If you have just experienced life, right. you know that the premise is not true. Mm -hmm. I, who, who applies for a job and the, their resume starts off with, no one's perfect? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, um, just, just so you know, I am, if you let me handle the cash, going to steal on occasion. On occasion. If, if you're deal, asking me to deal with a customer, I am going to lie on occasion. <laughs> if you put me with somebody the opposite sex, I'm going to fornicate on occasion. Oh. Like, this is your resume? Right. Go do it. See what happens. <laughs> See how many people in the world really believe that nobody's perfect in all right. sin principle. You have to excuse it because nobody's perfect. You have to. Like, you're, you're obligated to because it's the doctrine. If you're going to live by this doctrine, you have to live through it the whole way. You just can't half step it. You got to go through the whole process of accepting this, this excuse of no one's perfect. That We're all sin. Daycare should hire child molesters. No one's perfect. Everybody's a child molester, right? <laughs> I, I mean, mean yeah. if that's where we're going to go with it, let's go the all, all the way. Right? Why don't people own it? Like You have to own it, right? You have to. If you're going to start with that doctrine, you're going to have to go through it the whole way, regardless of what it is. How can anybody condemn anything? How? 
Oh, it, and what a point that is right there. How, you know, that's hypocrisy, isn't it? Matthew 7, 1 through 5, for Matthew sure. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not that you be not judged. People know verse 1. Right. <laughs> they don't know why verse 1 is said. Exactly. This is a context against hip, hypocritical hip, judgment. judgment judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you should be judged. With what measure you meet, it should be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that's in thine own eye? How wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam that's in thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Hmm. Nobody could judge <laughs> anything ever. Dude. How? If you're going to do that, you're going to be a what? A hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Same thing in the context we just read when we referenced Romans 2, 1 through 3. Romans 2, 1 through 3. Similar of judging and hypocrisy. Of course, this is the Jews that thought they were boasting, that thought they were better than the Gentiles because the law was given to them. So they were trying to teach all while practicing sin themselves. So Romans 2, 1 through 3, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest, thou, for thou that judgest, do the same things. But we are sure that the judgment is of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, thou that shalt, thou, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Like, how are you going to judge something when you're doing the exact same thing? The definition of hypocrisy. Two very easily to understand contexts that we're just reading about hypocrisy, judging and hypocrisy. So how can you judge someone else if you're involved in the same thing? What is that? A hypocrite. I mean, it's just plain and simple. If you're going to take this doctrine, you got to take the whole thing. Like, how can anybody? Matthew 18, when we're talking about discipline. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But according to Matthew 7, 5 and Romans 2, 1 through 3, how can you go to that brother and tell him his fault? You're in sin. Verse continues, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So you, along with two other people, go and try to correct this brother that has sinned against you. But wait, all of you all are in sin because no one's perfect. How can you go to this brother and tell him? How can you go to him and tell him his fault? Verse 18, verily I say unto you, whatsoever, I'm sorry, verse 17, I, I skipped a verse. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. How can the whole church condemn something when you have a whole church of sinners? How is that possible? That's a definition of judging him hypocrisy. Same thing we we're talking about. Romans chapter 2, 1 through 3, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Get your own life for, right first before you can judge anybody. That's the context. So, so what's that mean of the preacher that stands before the congregation and says we're all sinners? He has no right to be up there teaching anything if he's in sin. Right. He's a hypocrite. What, what about after that sermon uh, when that congregation partakes the Lord's Supper? They eat and drink unworthily. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 right. And 29, they're supposed to examine themselves. Examine yourself. Yeah, yeah. Verse 28, 
supposed to judge themselves, verse 31, to be chastened, verse 32, that is corrected of the Lord, not not to just go on. It's Man, the consequences of this doctrine are nobody can teach, <laughs> no nobody one. can correct, nobody can worship. Nobody. What sin do? Separate you from God. Separates that relationship. Yeah. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. God doesn't hear the sinner, John 9, 31. Right? And in contrast, interestingly, John 9, 31 contrasts the sinner from the worshiper of God. Hmm. Go figure. Go figure. I mean, <laughs> why, why is that distinction made? Why does uh, Jesus uh, have those instructions in his word that separate mm. uh, the two? And, and I understand it's the blind man that says it. Right. But it's the Holy Spirit who inspired man to write it. We know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God hmm. and doeth his will, him he heareth. The worshiper of God is somebody that does the will. The sinner is the opposite. Those are the light and the darkness. Light and darkness. That's simple. You're in or you're out. That's Very right. simple. Hey, bro, but listen. Here it is right now. Here's the rebuttal. So we answered Romans 3. Right. And you know. I know where you're going. You know, First John 1, 8. <laughs> yep. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Hmm. So you're wrong. Even, even though you know, we, we've been going for 40 minutes mm -hmm. and 52 seconds, uh, even though it's answered. Right. Right. When, when we show any instruction, mm -hmm. that, you know, we've talked about many. I, I don't remember if we talked about 2 Timothy 2.19, but nevertheless, the foundation of God stand sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Mm -hmm. Once I show you this passage right. and you go back and you look at the context and you right. say, yep, yep, it holds up to context, mm -hmm. discussion should be over. Should be. It should be. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Jesus commanded people. He healed a man in John 5, 1 through 14, mm -hmm. right? And uh, he tells this man uh, that he heals uh, to go and sin no more. <laughs> Same thing with the adulterous woman in John 8, John 8. Uh, 1 through 11. Uh he, he said, Woman, who are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said in her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and, and sin no more. more. It's like, it's so clean. It's mm -hmm. so clear cut. You know, it's not a complicated subject. Right. Um, but like you're talking about, there are people that don't understand sin. Mm -hmm. They think thought, thought right. makes something sinful, right. uh, so forth, so on. They, they need to step back from that. Before we wrap up, I, 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 I want to come back to a point. I, I, won't, I won't mention it uh, too much uh, right now, but you know, I, I want to come back before we wrap up and just talk about how, how the Word of God is not a burden mm. uh, because I think people have redefined sin right. to make it inescapable. Inescapable, yeah. But in First John, right, mm -hmm. context, right? Uh, in First John, uh, I, I mean, I, sometimes I hate to do lengthy readings, but bro, <laughs> I just, I'm just going to go First John one one. Sounds good, right? That which w was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. So the beginning here, and as you see in First John two, uh, most of the time in the beginning is talking about from the time Christ was on earth. It says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness, and show unto you this eternal life, which was of the Father, was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This is then is the message which you have heard of Him, and declaring to you that God is light, hmm. and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, 
and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I, I, I don't get it. Like, how do you, how do you read this <laughs> and think that somewhere in this context, mm-hmm. you're being authorized to be a sinner? Right. Verse seven, if we walk in the light, that's conditional, yeah, right? Very conditional. I mean, are you walking in your marriage vow while you're sleeping with somebody else? Right. <laughs> right. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's where if we say we have no sin, we deceive right. ourselves, truth not in us. If we confess our sins, so he's talking here about somebody that needs to make sin right. 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 He's not talking about the continual the acts continual act, yeah. of sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgives our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You can't miss verse 9 because it's in the middle of verses 8 and 10. Verse mm-hmm. 10, if we say we have not sinned, make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is teaching the principle that you cannot deny your sins. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, it was taught in the Old Testament in Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. It, it's the principle taught throughout the Old and the New Testament. But then, bro, how do you how do you not go into chapter two? <laughs> no, we're just gonna stop right there. We're just gonna stop. We're not gonna read the context. But no, my on, little children, <laughs> my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Wow. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Wait, wait, wait. He's not even done with the point. <laughs> and hereby we do know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Wait, what is sin? Transgression of the law. Somebody mm-hmm. doesn't keep the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't keep his commandments, if you transgress the law, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you, right? And we all know where liars are going to be. Revelation mm-hmm. 21.8, we were just referenced that. Mm-hmm. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, and hereby we do know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Mm-hmm. How? How? How you miss this? But I, I don't understand. I don't. My question would be, why are we trying to justify sin? I, I, I just, I don't get it. Like you give, come with all these verses and all these rebuttals. Why are you trying to justify transgressing the law? How is that even possible? Why are you, why, why is that mentally okay with you to justify what you're doing? If you, if you, that, that's, that's when we come back to levels of sin. That's when we come back to levels of sin. Well, I just told a little white lie or I just did this or I just did that. We're trying to level sin when that's not the case. We have to understand that what sin is. We have to understand that definition. So when you understand that definition and you read these verses, you can't come to a different conclusion of sin and knowing that you're not to sin. If you're honest, you just can't come leave away with these verses, uh, not coming to that right conclusion. If you're honest, what, what if I just said, you know what? When you sin, you're a child of the devil. How would people think about that statement? I'm not the devil. What are you talking about? How are you going to call me a devil? Judge not that you be not judged. Everybody sins. No one's perfect. Yeah. That's the rebuttal. But, but look, I, 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 I'm going to do it again. <laughs> context. We're still context. in first John. Yep. I'm just going to start chapter two and verse 29. You know, the context uh, here is there were people that were against Christ that went out from the disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and ch- chapter 2 and verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, speaking contextually Christ, of course, mm-hmm. you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Hmm. Behold, chapter 3 and verse 1, 
Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even mm. as he is pure. Mm. Like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> Anything we're reading just debunks the doctrine completely, doesn't it? Easily. And then what you read earlier, whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law for sin is transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Wait a minute. He was manifested <laughs> to take away sin so that you keep doing it. Right. Right. If you're going to keep that logic, mm. that's what it says. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Hmm. So when I tell somebody, yeah, you cannot sin, they said, that's not possible. Hmm. Let me repeat. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Right. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Mm -hmm. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the, uh, of the devil. So, so wait, wait, wait. <laughs> if I say I'm a continual sinner. Right. What are you saying? I, I'm of the devil. I'm doing the works of the devil. I am an antichrist mm. because I am doing what Jesus came to destroy. Right. How can I think that in chapter one, God is saying it's good? Right. You can't help it. Then just that quickly. Everybody does it. Then just that quickly turn around and say, sin not. Verse nine, first John three, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin <laughs> for a seed remaineth in him, the seed being the word of God. Mm -hmm. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. Wait a minute. Not only will not, cannot, <laughs> right? Because if I love the truth, you know, it's the Romans 12, 9 point. Right. You know, let love be without hypocrisy or dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. You know, wife, you don't need to worry about me committing adultery. Right. I hate adultery. Right. I hate what adultery stands for. Right. Yes, I love you, and I'm not going to break our covenant, but I love God, right. and I love His Word, and I love righteousness. I'm not going to commit that which is unrighteous. <laughs> it's not in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's not in my behavior. It's not possible. Right. Verse 10, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteous, not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And then it goes on from here. Context changes to brotherly love. But here, here's the point. When you're in a congregation that says, you know what, we're all sinners, you need to go out front of wherever you assemble and change that sign to Church mm -hmm. of Sinners, Church of church the Devil. Church of the Devil. <laughs> mm -hmm. How come you don't hear the preacher talking about that? Mm. After, after he says everyone sinners, why don't he turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8? Mm. Or just read the context, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Why is that? Mm. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard sermons where it's almost a joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we all in here sin, yeah, you know, you know, sisters, brothers, you know, we're all sinners, you know, we can't help it. And then everybody started laughing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How? <laughs> Jesus came to destroy what you're doing every day, <laughs> every day, every day. So you have an 18 year old child and they live in your house and you're doing house repairs. And the child says, everything you fix, I'm going to tear down every day. Every single day. What parent says, okay, I'll just keep building. <laughs> Don't worry. Nobody's perfect. No one's perfect. Come on, man. There wouldn't be prisons. <laughs> wouldn't be judges. There might as well not even be a law. I mean, why? Why is there a law? It, why would God put in place something that is impossible? Impossible. To keep. I, I want to I I you know, stand in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're just magnificence. Uh, and, and the fact that, I, and, I, and this is where I think a lot of people just come to the conclusion that not sinning is, is impossible. Right. Well, you know, First John 5, 1 through 3, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begotteth loveth him that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Hmm. But this is love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, meaning they're not burdensome. No. They're not overweight. They're not hard or heavy to bear. It's like that, you know, people know Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, where it's, uh, Burden is light. Yoke is easy. Burden is light. Mm -hmm. It's doable. It's doable. I mean, we don't have these instructions for no reason. It's doable. He hadn't given us an impossible instructions to follow. It's doable. It's up to us if we're going to fulfill what we know we can do. Because we have an example. We have the pattern. On and on throughout the scriptures, we have our pattern. We have the instructions. Now it's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to everyone that may be listening to this podcast to do something with that. You have the choice to make. You have the free will. God's not going to control anything. The devil's not going to control anything. You have that option to do right or to do wrong. You do. No one else. We, that's how we're going to be judged. John 5, 28 and 29. Like if, if, if we can't, if these are unfair instructions, I just want to read John 5, 8. John 5, verse 28 through 29. It says, Marvel not at this, the hour is coming, in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, that he, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I mean, it's plain and simple. You have the choice of what you're going to do on a daily basis, just like I do. We have to make that choice to do good according to the scriptures so that we can be judged appropriately. You are what you do. You are. I'm, I read that in First John two two twenty nine. If you know He is righteous, you know everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Teaches that in the Old Testament as well. Solomon wrote Proverbs twenty and verse eleven. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure, and whether it be right. Or Proverbs twenty one and verse eight: The way of a man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. You are what you do. <laughs> you know, you're either righteous because you do righteousness. Or you're evil because you commit sin. I mean, if you're honest, it's not that difficult. If you're honest, even if you've heard something for 50 years, if you're honest, if you really take time to think about that, it's, it's not that difficult. It's not. You have to not want to sin. You can stop that. But then people say, well, look at you. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Are we trying to boast here? <laughs> come on. What, what do people... People, as soon as you start showing the scriptures, right, right, they Only. they come back with, "Hey, um, are you saying you haven't sinned?" And that and that what what happens? Then they get thrown back, like, "Are you saying you haven't sinned?" Right. So yeah, so that definitely gets thrown back. So no, <laughs> in the past, yes, sin, but that's what you repent of. That's what you conf- that's what you confess. That's what you repent of. However. It's on you not to do that again, not to not to continue in that. You have to stop that. That's what repentance is. You have to stop doing and turn away from. It's something that you can control. Like, no, you're not boasting of. You understand what God's grace has done. You understand what the grace, uh, what, what was done for you. And so you're not going to boast. That's the, the context of Ephesians chapter 2. 
and talking about these Gentiles in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 1 through 10. This is the context of that. Understand, get them to understand not to boast, but understanding that you have a responsibility as well. Yeah, without Jesus. And, without and really, Jesus. that's the point. You know, Romans 3 gets into exactly. uh, going forward through chapter 5 mm-hmm. is without Jesus, Abraham's mm-hmm. not saved. Nobody under the law right. is so saved. No Gentile is saved. Right. Without Jesus, the sinner can't be saved. Exactly. I mean, you have to be lost to need to be saved. Mm-hmm. That's why I said the sinner can't be saved. Uh, but then, but then, you know, it's like the personal attack starts. Right. Right. Oh, I it's remember pers- when you. Yeah. And it's like, well, look, I'm just showing you what the Lord says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it's grace, and you're denying grace. Do you understand? That grace requires you to live obediently. I don't think a lot of people understand that. I don't think so either. That's why they continue to do the things that they're doing, just because they're going to live under that license of grace. So, so you read earlier, Romans six one and two. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right. God forbid. forbid. How that we are dead to sin, live any longer there, and goes on to talk about how they had been baptized. Right. But I want to turn your attention, if you're listening to this and, and you have people that's teaching you that grace is like, you know, the you go out and charge a credit card and as soon as you put the charge on, it comes off hmm. type of mentality. Grace carries responsibility on your part. Hmm. And Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So by the grace of God, the sinner has been made righteous. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, grace teaches you to remain righteous. Like you read earlier, continuing. Colossians one twenty three, right. right? Any thoughts on on that from your part? Yeah, I've heard this read many times in 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 over over the years as far as in assemblies, but the the, the rebuttal or the thing is is that what well, we try, what well, we try our best not to, you're either doing it or you're not. That's the thing. You're either walking in the light, or you're in the darkness. It's one or the other. It's not riding that fence. You can't do both. You have to make that choice. You can't do both. You're either going to accomplish that and not being a uh, sinner and sinless, or you're not going to. You just can't. There's no middle middle ground. Yeah, back in May and June of this year here in El Paso, uh, there, there were investigations uh, about uh, city representatives using gas cards for personal yes, usage yeah. right mm-hmm. and and one of the center reps paid a bunch of money back I don't, I don't remember all the particulars and i don't plan on following <laughs> everything that's going to come about uh from it you know just the fact that they're politicians <laughs> they're people of the world i don't expect honesty right. uh, out of them anyway but but could you imagine if just i'm not saying that this happened but if someone just said yes my husband used my gas card all the time for his personal pleasure and this and this and this and so forth, so on. But nobody's perfect, and everybody just say, oh, "Okay, <laughs> that, that's good." That's an acceptable answer. That's fine. Mm. Oh, people are upset mm-hmm. because they expect someone to follow the rules. Oh my! <laughs> right? Wait, wait a minute. What, what, what? 
Why are you upset? The 90 plus percent doctrine mm. in the religious world that professes to be Christians, of right. which they are not, mm. teaches what we're talking against right now, right. that nobody can attain to it. Nobody can be righteous. Nobody can be perfect, mm. so forth and so on. Some will go as far as to say you're just utterly corrupt, like you mm. were talking about earlier, where mm. they'll say you have a sinful nature. I mean, yeah. like, you just can't do anything to change that. Can't help it. Yep. Even though the, the Word of God from, from the book of Genesis, the book of Revelation, puts it on you. You. You have to do something. You. Yep. Accountability is what it boils down to. Accountability, taking responsibility for you and your actions. The, the scriptures, the word is given for us. We have to execute. You have to execute. In all other facets of life, this wouldn't fly. We've been talking about this for the last almost an hour. In all aspects of life, you couldn't use that excuse. Why bring it to the Bible when the Bible clearly states against it? Amen. Amen. So you got any other thoughts for us, bro? I think that's going to be it. I, I, just, I do want to conclude with one verse, James chapter 2, verse 10, just to kind oh, of... Hold up, hold up. Before you read that, <laughs> I have this memory. Mm. Tell me if I've got this right. Okay. You're talking to me, and you're talking about how... Because your history is... You, we first met when you were a, a soldier. Yeah, 2007-ish. Yeah, you, yeah. you came through El Paso... Uh, you were Fort Bliss. Right. Uh, you happened upon us. You assembled with us. And then you moved back to uh, Dallas area. Right. And uh, uh, I talked to you a few times, but not very often at a all. Handful, yeah. Yeah, you, you stayed in touch with some of the other brethren here, La Rosa. Right. Uh, others, I know they came up and saw a basketball yeah. game and yeah. diff different things, mm -hmm. right? Right. Uh, stayed good for but but you looked for congregations out there in the DFW area, uh, and 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 I have this memory that when you were talking to me, <laughs> mm -hmm. you were talking about how you had underlined verses in the right, Bible, right? And that when you were in Dallas, you never heard them. Never visited those verses again. <laughs> ne ne never, right? You you were there yeah, on Sundays and yeah. so forth, so on, and mm -hmm. you. you you're not hearing, it. and and I have this memory of this is one of them. James two yeah, ten. Yeah. Never heard it before, never heard it again. Right. right. So, am I right in that memory? Because that's that's a correct. You know, when I was here the first time, I remember hearing all these verses and like, wow, I've never heard this before. But they were literally coming from the scriptures, and this is one of the verses I had underlined. So, verse, James chapter two verse ten says, "For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend at one point, he is guilty of all." He's guilty of all, not just if you fit at one point, he's guilty at all. So this has come back to the whole levels of sin is there's no levels of sin. We understand that sin is a transgression of the law. And so if we understand that the things that we see, the things that we do that are unscriptural will come into come into play very quickly because we understand that if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. It's like you might as well do everything else. If you're just going to offend in this one point, you might as well go the whole way. It's not just. Um, I committed this sin, one sin. No, you're guilty of all. Even if you're doing everything else, quote unquote, the correct way, you're still guilty of all. So having that understanding of what sin is, you have to make sure that you're doing everything in accordance to the, the will of God and not making excuses. Verse 11 explains it. For he said, do not commit adultery. Mm -hmm. Said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgression of law. It's like, you're not a sinner because you do multiple things that are sinful. Right. You're a sinner when you do one right. sinful thing. Right. One and then there are people that will say, 
uh, and I know from various Bible studies, but that's talking about the old law. Mm. No, no. <laughs> the next verse, verse 12, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Law and, of liberty. and it's sandwiched mm-hmm. between that and, the, and James 1.25 that, that also talks about whosoever looketh in the perfect law, law of, liberty of liberty and continue there and him being not a forgetful here, but doer this work, this man should be blessed in his deed. It, context. Context. The law of liberty, right? You, you you transgress the law of liberty. You do not have to be somebody who is going down the road sinning against everything that right. the New Testament says is a sin. No, you just defended that one point. In that context, in James two, they they were exalting the rich, right? Right? Um, they were giving preferential treatment. They became respecter of persons, mm-hmm. and they were transgressors of the law because of that. In that context, bro, is this this podcast was a lot longer. <laughs> we got so much that we could talk about. I know we got to wrap up, but yeah, there's just so much there, so much there to talk about, so much there to digest and dissect. But the, the, the plain and simple is there. I mean, if you really want to do the right thing, you can make the decision to make to do that. And but if you really want to do the wrong thing on the opposite end, you're gonna do that. Doesn't it speak to one psyche? Uh, the people that are looking for scriptures that say they're sinners right, right. versus the people that are looking for scriptures that teach them how not to sin. Like, do you realize what you're doing? You're trying to justify sin. Like how is, just take a step back and think about that. You're trying to find scriptures that saying that sin is okay. Just take a step back and think about that. Like, like the teenager that comes home and maybe went out and partied with his buddies or her buddies or whatever, got drunk, wrecked the car. Mm-hmm. Comes home, looks at mom and dad, and says, "But haven't you ever made a mistake in life?" <laughs> oh, okay, you're right. We'll buy you a new car. Right. You know, no, come on, man. And by the way, if you're that parent, you suck. <laughs> you, you should not have children. You're supposed to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians six four. You're going to go to hell if you're that kind of parent. You, you could do everything else right, right, but you're offending at that one point, right? Most parents aren't that way. Now it's getting to be that way. Uh, but but most of the people that listen to this podcast i would think uh likely would not anything else bro on your end before we uh wrap this up i think we hit fairly a lot of the things that we wanted to talk about so i think i'm gonna leave it there but you have control you have the option it's up to you so i'm gonna give y'all a scripture to think about uh first peter chapter 4 verses 17 through 19 says for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of god and if it first begin at us what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, that means barely, the mm. righteous are barely saved. Mm. Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit their keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. If you're out there believing, listening to, teaching, in any way involved in the doctrine that sin is okay in any form or fashion and that everybody does it or anybody can't stop from it, Pay attention to 1 Peter 4, 17 through 19. The righteous are scarcely saved. You're not gambling with your soul. You're just absolutely lost. Hmm. I want to help you. You know, I like to conclude these podcasts by giving my phone number. It's 915-525-5794. I want to help you with the scriptures. Not me, but help you look at the scriptures and to find the right people to be among so that they will point you to the scriptures. The goal is is not to excuse sin. It's to be righteous as we are commanded to be righteous. Like we read, the grace of God teaches that. 
You can email me at brian at wordsoftruth.net or of course visit the website. If you've been listening, you're familiar with all of that information. Brandon, I thank you for uh, listening. Thankful that Brandon came on and joined me for this uh, month's uh, podcast. We hope it's been beneficial to you. We always like to hear back from you if you'd like to reach out and let us know uh, what you think. But until then, uh, we will go ahead and end this podcast at that. Thank you so much. Thank you.